You're not supposed to agree quite that loudly, but I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> Come on. So I, 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 um, I've had an interesting week. Before I get into my sermon, just kind of, you know how some weeks are like high weeks and then some weeks are low weeks, and then some weeks you just don't know kind of what, this, what they are. They're like all of the above. Well, I, I, you'll remember last Sunday we had David Costa here. What a great sermon, eh? A great encouragement. Filled the altar, got to pray for some people. I was blessed. We were blessed. Uh, and I went home. We had lunch together, and then I went home, and I went to sleep because I wanted to watch football on Sunday night. And I, you might have heard me say last week, God will wake me up in the middle of the night to pray, but he will not wake me up to watch football. It doesn't matter how much I ask. I can get up, and it's like, what's going on? And so anyway, so I went home Sunday afternoon. I prepared myself. I slept all afternoon, then I went to bed early on Sunday night. I got up to watch football on Sunday morning at 3 a.m., watched two games. Interesting, you know, they were right. And uh, then I went back to sleep. Uh, I slept most of Monday. I was feeling real good. And then Tuesday, I had another fever. And I was like, what is this? I felt like I'd done so well to kind of, you know, hold it all together. And my health was looking really good. And so I spent the last, I spent the first three, four days of this week in bed, crook again. But I'm here. So in the midst of that, I was going, ah, oh, woe is me. And then on Thursday, I was kind of up, and I sort of felt like I'd been hit by a truck a little bit. And um, we get this phone call. Some of you guys will remember, like 13 months ago, we lost a cat. Third, like a year ago, our cat just went, oh, I'm out. <laughs> Disappeared. You know, we were off on a Holy Spirit retreat, and we thought life was good, and come back, and cat's gone. 13 months later, we get a phone call. Some of you have been praying for this. I know it's, you know, some of you are like, it's a cat. I'm a dog person. What are you on about? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but my wife loves this cat, and some nights we'll be lying. Hopefully, she doesn't mind me telling this story. Oh, anyway, uh, some nights we'll be lying in bed, and you hear this little, "You crying about the cat again?" No. <laughs> and so, my testimony that God is interested in the little things is: after 13 months, we get a phone call from the SPCA yesterday to say, "We found your cat, and it's it's fatter than when it left home." <laughs> So all this stress that we've been going through, and she's all good. So, you know, we've had this and that, and then I got to preach at a youth group again on Friday night over in Nelson. First time I've sort of done the youth thing in a long time. I made me feel infinitely older um, <laughs> than I was last time I was doing it. And in the midst of that, I've had this really cool uh, word from, from God that I want to share this morning. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I've kind of been through the motions, and we're here this morning. And so whatever you've been through, to get here. Know that you are here for a time and place such as this, this morning. I believe God's got a message for every single one of us. I'm going to make sure my thumbprint is still me, that I can get into my sermon. Yeah, here we go. So I'm not going to preach a real long time this morning. Hey! Uh, and I'll tell you what else I'm not going to do. I'm not going to preach some super clever, deep theology that'll have you up late at night, churning through your Bible, searching online, questioning your inner self, questioning God, all those sorts of things. We'll do that next week. Uh, but I am going to give you something to think about, and hopefully I'm going to give you something to act on. I'm going to shine a light on a simple truth. And you've heard me say this before, I said it to the teenagers on Friday night, how many people know that just because it's a simple truth doesn't mean that we know it? How many times have you ever pulled on a door that said push? <laughs> right? Simple truths. So, I, some of you, that's the first time you've heard that. Others, you've heard it five times because it's a regular go-to joke for me and you just laugh out of sympathy. I'm not quite sure what that's about. It's <laughs> anyway, 
I want to share something that's going to challenge you. This week, a video went viral on the internet. It was renowned actor Chris Pratt winning the Generation Award at the MTV Movie and TV Awards. As part of his speech, he delivered his nine rules for life. Chris Pratt's a successful actor, including films like the new Jurassic Park series, and if you're a Marvel, any Marvel comic fans in here this morning, come on, my, my people, Star-Lord, oh, no, he's, I'm not doing the dance, I'm not doing the dance, <laughs> not, Eddie, I'll do it if you do it, I've kind of, yeah, anyway, so he, he, he's a successful actor, he's also a committed and outspoken Christian, and uh, among his nine rules for life, which included light-hearted rules like breathe, if you don't, you'll suffocate, uh, and a life lesson on how to poop at a party if you're embarrassed about the amount of people that are around. <laughs> but amongst all of this, he also made a couple of strong statements about God and faith. These were those statements. Rule number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Rule number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that, I do. Rule number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's good for your soul. This is on MTV. <laughs> Rule number nine, nobody is perfect. People will tell you you are perfect just the way that you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you are willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. Like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Don't forget that. Don't take that for granted. This was on MTV. <laughs> and the internet lit up. Articles popped up all over the place with headlines like Chris Pratt delivers inspirational speech. Chris Pratt gives uplifting message to young people. These articles popped up everywhere. It went viral. It's trending on Twitter and Facebook and all those other things that some of us use. And in that, there were three things that struck me as interesting. Number one, the internet went crazy. This video was being shared, yes, by Christians, but also by various online news outlets. One man mentions God, and suddenly everybody's talking about it. And not only that, it's positive talk. Like, that's different. <laughs> so that's the first thing that interests me. The second thing, I've got a lot of lists this morning. The second thing that interests me, in fact, this one confused me a little bit. I came across one article dedicated to Chris Pratt's speech, and they listed the nine rules, except they excluded two, six, eight, and nine are the ones I just read. And the, the reason that was weird is because they were sharing this article about Chris Pratt sharing this great speech, and then they ignored the four great ones because the other ones were all jokes about how to give tablets to your dog. And if you take the four out and just had the other five, they were just lighthearted filler. And so you, if you'd just seen the five rules, you'd have gone, this isn't inspirational. Why share it at all? Right? Anyway, the third thing that interested me was that I, as I looked at it a second and a third and a fourth time, and as I listened to the, a room full of young people cheering, and as I saw news outlets around the world going crazy, I had this 
thought. He wasn't really saying anything new. Not, not to us. And yet the world was talking about it as if this was news. Which got me thinking. If he's not saying anything new, why are they acting like it's news? And so I want to talk to you this morning from the thought, there's no telling. There's no telling. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, there's no telling. I want to read from verse 13 this morning. Matthew chapter 5 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's his biggest sermon, it's his longest sermon, it's his most famous sermon, but it's famous for the right reasons. I know some people whose longest sermon is their most famous sermon for all of the wrong reasons, right? So here's Jesus, and he's talking to a a huge gathering of people. And in chapter 5 and verse 13, he says this. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse number 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you. No, your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven. This morning is about the power of your testimony. It's about the power of your story. One of the things that I love about my job, one of the th- it's probably my favorite thing about the, my job, is I get to hear people's stories. I get to sit in homes with individuals and couples alike, both young and old, and listen to their journeys. Some of my favorite moments in ministry are sitting uh, with a couple that I'm about to marry and hearing how they met, or attending a funeral and hearing stories about, from family about how the deceased had touched so many lives. I love sitting in homes with aging Christians hearing stories about the good old days. And I love sitting with young people hearing about what God's doing fresh today in their lives and in new ways that just blow my experiences and expectations out of the water. Without being morbid, I enjoy being a listening ear and hearing the stories about people's words who are falling apart, worlds who are falling apart around them. And all they have to hang on to is hope. And then I enjoy hearing the stories later about how God miraculously moved in those situations and brought life out of what seemed like such a hopeless place. These stories lift my faith. You know, my wife said to me as I was talking to her about this, she's like, it's any wonder you're so faithful. You just get to hear people's testimonies all the time. You literally just get to hear all this stuff. And I do. And I'm convinced See, much like David said, I have, I have this weird kind of faithful optimism. People come and say to me, oh, I'm going through this, and, and, and they, or they'll, they'll come and they go, you won't believe this. And I'm like, I probably will. Because at this point, just nothing surprises me. And I have this weird kind of optimism where I'll say the old cliche to someone who's going through, it'll be all right. But I don't say it to be cliche. I say it because I've seen so much happen now and seen God move in so many situations that I just believe it. It'll be all right. It might not work out the way that you thought it was going to, but God moves. And so I have this weird kind of 
optimism, but I like to call it faith. Because of the stories that I get to hear. And yet it amazes me how many people I sit down with and I hear their stories that I've known for years. People I've known for years and I hear these stories and my reply is, wow, I never knew that. Wow, I never knew that. We all came away from Reese's funeral a couple of weeks going, I never knew that. She's been in church for 20-something years as part of Blenheim Baptist. I'm like, really? Wow. One woman I was sitting with one day was telling me a story, and I said, wow, I never knew that about you. And she went, of course you didn't. I never told you. (laughs) See, there's no telling. There's no telling. One of the reasons I have a strong faith is because I get to hear all the stories. But the people who are telling them to me don't know they're strengthening my faith by doing it. They're just sharing what happened to them. And usually they don't realize the effect that those stories have on me and on others that they tell. Sometimes I'll say something, I'll hear it, and I'll go, you need to tell that story. And they'll look at me and go, why? Because it's a great story. It's a great testimony. Other times we're too scared to share our stories. What if people don't believe me? Or what if people think I'm crazy? What if I mix my words up? Or we compare our story to someone else's story. And we think our story is insignificant because we're thinking of that guy that got raised from the dead in America and we're like, well, my cat came home. Yeah. It feels, it feels, and we go, oh, it just feels a little insignificant. But it's not just the big stories that are testimony to the power and presence of God. See, here's the thing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But there's a problem. There's no telling. So what are people hearing? Well, The media and outspoken voices in the world spend all of their time telling us that God is not real or that God doesn't speak or that God doesn't move. They don't have big stories. They haven't stumbled across some kind of undeniable evidence. They just have little stories that they keep telling. And then someone else comes out and tells a little story. Facebook feeds and staff articles and comment sections are filled with anti-Christian messages. And there's just a few religious extremists responding badly. <laughs> they're either trying to argue or they're condemning people to hell. And, and you don't have to argue. You just have to share your story. It's not just the big God stories that change the world. It's, it's the presence of voices that are regularly saying, God is real in my life this week because... Because, see, here's the problem. Christianity is the fastest and the largest religion in the world, but it's also becoming the quietest. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. You with me this morning? I'm getting just as convicted as you are, so, you know. And that's the problem. Most of us don't say anything because we don't want to cause a fight or we don't want to be singled out. And so there's no telling. Your testimony is a gift from God. Don't bury it in the ground. 
I want to give you some encouragement and some tools this morning to get you sharing your testimonies of God at work in your lives. Because people need to hear them. I need to hear them. People around you need to hear them. Let, let's go. So firstly, what is your story? What is your story? Our testimony, in, one, in some ways, is one big story made up of many little stories, isn't it? I always find it interesting, you know, occasionally when you get asked to, to preach somewhere or speak somewhere, they go, just come and share your testimony. You're like, which bit? Like, how long have you got? I've got 26 years. You know, like, and, and so our story, often we can think is, is this, our testimony is one big long thing. But in reality, our story might be this part or it might be this part, or it might be this part, and this part, and this part. So it might be the story of how you first met God, and how that changed you. It might be how He is continuing to change you 50 years on. It might be something that you've experienced. It might be something that you've seen. It might be something that you've read. It might be something now. It might be something a long time ago. It might be something recent. It may be a story with a history, or it may just be a moment. All of these things make up our story, our testimony. And so often, finding out what to share is not the, learning what not to share is the problem, because sometimes you go, tell me your story. It's like, well, in 1991. No one sighed. I felt like I could have kept going. I felt like I could have just... <laughs> People were just too busy going, what was I doing in 1991? Wasn't being born, that's for sure. It's <laughs> anyway, so, so this is your story. And here, I want to talk to you about why your story is important. Your story is important for so many reasons. Number one, it makes it real. You know, in the book of John, when, when John's writing about the coming of Jesus... In chapter 1, he makes this statement about, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And yet, he puts this particular emphasis on something powerful happening when Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When Jesus came into the world as a person, it suddenly became real, became more than a theory, more than a book. Your testimony is important. Your story is important because when you tell what's happening in your life, it's suddenly real. It's not a theory. Number two, your story makes it present. When you share the stories of what God is doing in your life, not only does it make it real, it makes it current. It's not something that happened 2,000 years ago that we just haven't stopped talking about. It's something that's happening here and now and today. Number three, it makes it personal. This might sound similar to making it real, but there's a little more. When you tell your story to people you know, it makes it personal. Because not only is it a real person, but it's a real person that they know. It's not that guy on television who they've never seen have a bad day in their life. It's you. And if God can do it in you, you dirty human... God can do it <laughs> in them. Like I said at the start, if God can do it in me, you dirty human. <laughs> it's like, it's 
feel allowed to say that? It's, it's, only if it's in love. That's, if I meant it, it would be offensive. So your story is important because it makes it real, it makes it current, and it makes it personal. You know, your story changes more lives than my story because I'm just a guy with a microphone. People think that I'm supposed to tell these stories, but when it's someone that they know personally during the week, it's different. So this is why your story is important, but who is your story important Two, this is a good morning to take notes this morning. Like I said, I got a lot of lists. I'm so glad you asked because it's more people than you think. Your story is important to unbelievers, people who do not yet know God. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him that they've never heard about? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Your testimony is important. Someone is waiting for your story. Not only is your story important for those who don't yet believe, your story is important for those who already believe. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, They they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and their word of of their testimony. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says that we need to encourage one another and build each other up. There's a time, there are times where it feels like God is doing nothing in my life. I know that he's not, but there's times where it feels like that. And sometimes it's not all about me. Sometimes. You laughing at. <laughs> and in those times, It's knowing that God is working in other people that keeps me strengthened and uplifted and faithful, yeah? Because it's not always going on in our life. Sometimes, like, we're just on this buzz where everything is like, wow, that was for me, this was for me. And then other times it's like, and so that's why your story is important, to keep us encouraged and uplifted together. Thirdly, your story is important to God. We're called to be God's witnesses, for his mission. It's important to God that we share our testimonies. But not only for the cause of mission, but simply when you share your story, you give glory to God. When we share what's happening in our lives, we give glory to God, and that's worship. It blesses God's heart when we give him credit for what he's doing in our lives. And finally, get this one, because this is, this, is, this is us. This is what we like to know. We're consumers. You're telling your testimony is important for you. It's not just important for everybody else. It's important for you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says that those who acknowledge God publicly on earth before men, he will also acknowledge before God in heaven. There's a blessing that comes from God when we acknowledge him publicly instead of just keeping him to ourselves. There's a blessing that comes from God when we are open with our faith. Not only that, but when we tell our stories, it cements what God's done in our lives. It makes it real for you, for us. When when you talk about something, it becomes what you believe. 
And I don't mean in the context of convincing yourself that something happened that didn't. But if you constantly share bad news or negativity, then negativity and bad news become your life. But if you're constantly talking about the good that God is doing, it focuses you on Him. Your testimony is important to so many people. So let's get a little more practical. We know your story is important, but how do you tell it? Because it's important that we don't only talk about God. How we talk about Him is important. How we tell our story is important. Because like I said, there's plenty of people on the media talking about God. Most of them make me a little uncomfortable. Christianity needs good press. It's good news. One of the questions I've been asking this week was why, why was Chris Pratt's message so well received? The media seems to like to shoot down anything remotely Christian. Why was this different? Does that bug you just a little bit? Why, why was this different? I don't think it was because he was a, I don't think it was because he was a celebrity. I don't just think it's because a famous person can get up and talk about God, because I've watched some famous people get up and talk about God, and it's ended really badly for them. I think it was because of how he did it. First Peter chapter three and verse 15. Says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I believe he genuinely, like this came out of a, a genuine, heartfelt reverence for God. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so it's important that as we tell our story, we tell it with gentleness and respect. As Chris spoke, he spoke with gentleness and respect in his approach. He was real. He was credible. He was normal. He wasn't a shouty preacher. It has its place. <laughs> He's just a guy making some statements. There's incredible power in that. Thirdly, he had nothing to gain. In fact, he had a, a lot to lose. One of the reasons that your testimony is powerful is that you have nothing to gain. One of the things that I struggle with as a pastor is people think I have something to gain by sharing my testimony. It's another number in, in the church or, or whatever it may be. But when we have nothing to gain, when our story comes, in fact, I'm just putting this out on the line. Chris sounded like he wasn't trying to win something. He just sounded like he believed something and he cared about the people he was sharing with. And so here they are. My four steps, my four steps, I'm, I'm nearly done. This is good. Going to have e extra coffee time, which is important because I'll tell you why. How do we tell our stories? Number one, be real. We need to learn how to tell supernatural stories in natural ways. Because if every time you go to tell someone about what God did in your life and you go, well... I was walking, and then there was this, like, we need to, God does supernatural things. These are the things, that, but we need to learn how to tell them in natural ways. One of the things I love about Bill Johnson is he'll sit and talk about supernatural things with one hand slightly in his, you know. And it's not disrespect. It's just 
he's been hanging out with God for so long now that it doesn't surprise him. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Be real. Number two, break big into small. Most people don't want to listen to you for 30 minutes. Most people don't want to listen to me for 30 minutes. Opportunities to share usually come up on a lunch break or between phone calls at work or, or in the hallway at the water cooler, something like that. Don't try to tell your whole story or the whole story every time you get a moment. Learn to, 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 to be led by God to what's the right part of the story for the right moment here today. God, the Holy Spirit will give you that. Some people try to make every moment the moment, hey? Dave Mann and Tony Collis were here for the Equip Tour a couple of years ago. How many of you made it to that? That was a good time, all about evangelism and, and things. And one of the things that he talked about, he talked about the gospel and our story being like a whole pizza. Most people can't eat a whole pizza. I can. I will. But most people won't eat a whole pizza. Most people will have a couple of slices. Maybe they'll have one slice and then a little bit later on. And there's nothing worse, like you might be, I am so in the mood for pizza. But if someone comes and tries and puts a whole pizza in your mouth, that's not a, you were hungry for pizza and yet you had a bad experience of pizza, right? So we need to learn how to make the big story small. Number one, be real. Learn how to tell supernatural stories in a natural way. Number two, break big into small. Number three, don't exaggerate. Don't embellish it. You know how many people are, you know, you, you sort of listen and, and, you know, and we can all be guilty of this, hey, how the fish was this big. It just, it just happens as you move, you know. And so it was. I've seen the photos. It wasn't. <laughs> and so we like to just, and, it, and sometimes it's just an excitement, isn't it? You know, like we start off and go, oh, you know, five, five people got healed in that meeting. And the next time, oh, six people. I, I reckon at least a half a dozen people. I reckon at least 10 people got. And it just gets, it just grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. If you want to tell your story, rule number three is do not exaggerate it. If God needed it to be bigger, he would have made it bigger. Yeah? See, when we exaggerate the story, what we're saying is, I don't think it was big enough. I don't think God was big enough. And that, that ow, you want to say that? You face him, not me. Definitely don't make it up. Nothing damages someone's reputation and, and like of pizza more than you making up toppings on the pizza. Then number four, remember that it's your story, but it's his glory. When you're telling your story, who does it make look good? Do people come out of it and go, I'm holy, I'm so blessed, I'm so amazing? Or do they go, wow, his God, her God. So it's your story, it happened in your life, but it's for his glory. That's it. I'll go through them again for you in case you're writing them down or in case you're committing them to memory. Number one, be real. Learn to tell supernatural stories in a natural way. Number two, break big into small. Don't be afraid of the journey of leading someone to knowing God. Number three, don't exaggerate it and don't embellish it. And number four, remember it's your story, but it's his glory. That's it. Let me, let me wrap up with this quick little summary and a challenge for you this week. Not every story, 
often when we think of testimonies, we think of getting up in front of church and having to share it. Not every story is a Sunday morning story. But that's okay. That's, that's not to belittle those stories. That means they have a purpose and a place somewhere else. Some are. And in fact, I know that there are some Sunday morning testimonies that need to be shared that, that, that we, we kind of just hold on to because we're a little bit nervous about. We need more testimonies to be shared about what God's doing on Sundays and during the week. But it has to come from you. Because some people go, oh, well, you just tell it. It loses its it loses something of its power the moment that it's told secondhand. And I'll tell you why. If I'm called to be a witness in court, and I get up and I say, <coughs> I saw the murder, that's evidence. That's admissible as evidence. If you get up and say, my friend Shannon saw the murder, can that be used? No. Is it any less true? No. But it's, it's, there's power when it comes from the person. And that's why I'm always encouraging people, you share that story. You tell that testimony because it has, it has prophetic power when it comes from your mouth, not when it comes from mine. So, I've lost my place. I'm wrapping up. Wrapping up, wrapping up, wrapping up. <coughs> Could I get the worship team to come back? We'll sing a song and then we'll hit coffee. So, some stories are for Sunday, but not all. Some stories are to be told more personally in your small group or with your friends at work. Some stories are just an encouragement for you. There were times that Jesus said to people, don't tell anyone about this. But that's the exception, not the rule. Jesus told people to spread the good news far more than he told them to hide it. And then I want you to remember this weird paradox, because this is the thing that's just confused me all week. The world doesn't want you to tell your story doesn't. It will try to put your light under a basket. It will misquote you. It will delete the best parts out of your speech. But weirdly, that same world is desperate to hear your story. (laughs) And when you tell the story, they react overwhelmingly positive. They say, don't bring that here. But when you bring it here, they go, that was amazing. (laughs) It's very confusing. Welcome to evangelism. (laughs) The world is hungry for something real. The world is hungry for something more. The world is hungry for God. People like to say Christianity is just a story. And it is a story. But it's a true story. And in fact, all the history we have in the world is just a story. There's a rule in life. The best story wins. So let's tell the better story. Over coffee today, and we're going to have an extended time of coffee, I would encourage you to tell someone a story about how God worked in your life, about how God is working in your life. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two, at work or at school or wherever you go this week, I want to challenge you, tell someone else a story about how God worked and is working in your life. And then number three, challenge number three, at church next week, tell me that story and then tell me how it went and tell me what happened because I guarantee that something will happen in that moment. It might be terrifying. It might not go so well, but something happens. (laughs) Something happens and something will happen in you even if they don't receive it and you'll go, 
That felt good. That felt great. See, I started by saying the problem is that there's no telling. But if we all start telling our stories, there's no telling what might happen. Amen? Come on, let's all stand together. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you for everything you do in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful in the hard times. I thank you that that you are a blessing throughout all of our lives and through all of my life. Lord, we thank you for the way that you move. And Lord, we pray that today we would be stirred up and encouraged with the stories that you have placed in each one of us to go into the world and to share those stories. Lord, that you might be lifted up. Lord, that not so that we could boast of what we have, but Lord, so that we could boast of who you are. And God, that as people hear those stories, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and do the bit that we can't, which is convict hearts and touch lives. Come and do it again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. Oh,